Tomorrow morning we're going to be reading from the beginning of the third book of the Torah called in, in Hebrew, Vayikra. Vayikra. It begins a full book devoted to korbanot, to sacrifices. An ancient technology that the rabbis tell us was the precursor to our current technology of sacrifice, which is exactly what we've just done for approximately an hour. Prayer is this iteration of that original technology. It's korbanot or sacrifices 2.0. Uneshama parim svatenu, let our lips be in place of the animals. And so Vayikra frames for us the beginning of a conversation about what prayer means. What is prayer? What does it mean to pray? Two remarkable things about that word, Vayikra. First is that it's an anomalous way to begin a conversation between God and Moses. Typically, if you would open up any average page of the five books of Moses, the four books in which Moses appears, God begins a conversation, God, and God spoke to Moses. Which leads the commentators to wonder, what is the meaning of the kri'ah? And God called to Moses and spoke to him, saying. Seeming to be that there was first a call, and then a speech act. That's the first question. The second question is, that there are places in the Torah where letters... The shape of a letter will appear differently than all other letters. There are three essential kinds of letters in the Torah. Average font size. Font size that is, let's say, the maximum font size, 72, let's say, or whatever it might be. Those swollen letters. And then there are small letters. Let's say font at like, you know, 10 or 6. In the beginning of the, in the, beginning of the third book, dealing with prayer, the last letter of the word Vayikra, the A of, and he called, Vayikra, the Aleph, is an Aleph Ze'era, a small Aleph, a little Aleph. And the Aleph, its shape, as many of you know, is this. If you'd like a, <laughs> right? I'm not a teapot, but I'm an Aleph, right? <laughs> That's an olive, right? If you'd like to see one in the, in the opening of, the, of your Sidur on the first page, you can see an olive. It is the second letter in the bold-faced first word. So you, can you find that? It looks like sort of like what I just did. Or, thank you, this is an olive. It's also not very well visible, but... You get the image. The Aleph is the place to begin. Borges said in his short story on, entitled The Aleph, I saw the Aleph from every point and angle, and in the Aleph I saw the earth, and in the earth the Aleph, and in the Aleph the earth. I saw my own face and my own bowels. I saw your face. And I felt dizzy and wept, for my eyes had seen that secret 
and conjectured object whose name is common to all men, but which no man has looked upon, the unimaginable universe. The Aleph in our tradition is a mysterious letter. Its numerical value, one, points, say, the mystics towards the unity of all creation. In its own orthographic expression, in the shape of the letter, one can feel the tension between that which is above and that which is below, and that which is holding the two of them together. Aleph, say the rabbis, is so profound that the Torah could not begin with it. The Torah had to begin with the letter B, the bet, as if to say there is polarity, there is duality, there is above and below, there is inside and outside, and the Aleph can only be uttered in a whisper. I wonder what Moshe was experiencing as he stood outside of the tent of meeting, having finished all of it, looking at his life, at that which he had built with his hands, and to some degree feeling, I built this, but how do I live in it? I built a structure, beautiful, I created with my own sweat and my own toil. I worked for years to become Moses, and here I am on the outside looking in of the very thing that I built. I imagine Moses looking out at his life and wondering, is it even possible to feel as alienated as I do now that I have created this structure for everyone else, and is there room for me? Moses, the greatest of the prophets, perhaps wondering aloud, is there any reward for this great work of my life? And so the rabbis say that God called. God called Moses at this moment in the Torah as if to say, I understand your alienation. I understand that you stand on the outside looking in. And when you are in that place of outside, the call of God, the Vayikra, comes and whispers, Aleph. The call of God comes to the tension between all that ever was and all that ever could be and whispers this mysterious letter, Aleph. Sometimes the weight of things brings us to our knees and we are forced to understate and understand. And there, Underneath the weight of what is bringing us to our knees, we see the light of God breaking all principles. At once, we have a realization that there is nothing new, nothing that ever was and will be is new, and yet no one has ever lived your life. This timeless paradox, which we frequently fall to either side of, Accepting one without the other, we suppress the other side of that knowing. When we hold the truth that there is nothing new that ever was, we fall and slip into a state of despair. Nothing matters. Everything that was will be again. In the story of the Hasidic master who had two little notes in his pocket, 
One would say, I am dust and ashes. When everything that ever was will be. When you are Moses standing outside wondering what you can add to that tent. How can I enter? It's already finished. I have nothing to bring to it. We stand outside holding our little piece of paper, I am made of dust and ashes, and we've missed the other side of this paradox, which is that everything that you are experiencing in any moment is radically new to you. And if we are too far to that side of the paradox, as in the rabbinic analogy, the whole world was created for me in the other pocket, yeah? Oh, what a grandiose world we live in. Everything that proceeds from me is radically new. There is no past. There is no what was. Nothing has been brought to this moment, and nothing needs to be taken away. And Moses is given the Aleph. And it's a secret of prayer, because this is the beginning of the sacrificial book, which we just said in the beginning is about prayer. And so prayer is holding that space in the center, knowing that everything that was and everything that is is not new and. Every prayer is a willingness to be in the beginning. Every prayer is an opening of the heart, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, a communist, a socialist, a democrat, a republican, you're a dog lover, you're not a dog lover. Every single one of us, every single prayer ever uttered is a yearning to start again, to be at Aleph, to be in the beginning, to be at one at the first place, to know it the first time in Eliot's terminology, to be back home and to know it for the first time. And every prayer that you utter in the synagogue, in your church, in your mosque, in your car, in your backyard, to whatever God you utter it to, is always this. God, open my heart to this moment as I stand between what was and what will be, not knowing. Give me the strength to be in the beginning, to be in the beginning of all things to not be old with this world. I went on a prayer retreat last week, and I'm all refreshed. I'm all back at Olive again because I was in the primordial silence of California. <laughs> and nestled in the hills, I could find my voice again. And as I was working with these amazing individuals, all of whom or the majority of whom had no prayer background. That's all we did was talk about prayer. And we put all of the resistances up on the wall. Don't believe in God, don't like God, don't know God, never knew God, won't want to know God. And don't know the Hebrew, don't know much about history, don't much about, none of it. All of the resistances. I told the people gathered there that the, what brought me back to Judaism after my long stay away was that I could remember sitting, standing underneath my father's talit on the high holidays. And I could remember the feeling of his hand against my cheek. 
And in those days when I was completely outside of the tabernacle, so to speak, like Moses, and every vaikra, every time God called out, I said, not interested. What brought me back was that experience. And then when I told that story, you know, I always think it's so moving for me to tell the story. Someone came over to me and said, you know, Rabbi, that was a very moving story for you, but for me it was a bit tragic because I never had a father who brought me underneath the talit. I didn't have that experience. And I said to him, you know, my dear friend, I didn't tell the story to exclude you. I told the story to tell you that thousands came before you and thousands will come after you. And the residue of that moment is imprinted in space and in these words and in the yearnings of every human heart. And I don't care, I said, if you don't have that experience, you will be that experience for someone else. Someone will see you and someone will see your friend. Someone will hear the story and you will create it moving forward. And you can borrow from anyone in our community and anyone in the human family, you can borrow. And there's no interest. Because prayer is not the accrued memories of all of those old prayers that you keep somewhere in a box, but your continual promise to live between those two places and to open yourself to a new beginning. So now I understood after I told that to him and after I read this, I understood why the Torah places such a heavy emphasis at this time of the year on the liberation holiday and the mezuzah hanging on the doorpost, that amulet that hangs in every room, in every house, in every door. That mezuzah and amulet itself stretch between the, the room you came from and the room you're going to. As if to remind you that that's the essence of prayer. You are the mezuzah. You are the one stretched between those two places of nothing new. And what do I bring? So I told the story on the retreat, and I want to end with it. Because I'm feeling this so deeply in my heart right now, and I'm sharing it to you from a deep place. An emotional place a little bit. Two Yom Kippur's ago, when my son Bear was a year old, a year and a couple of months, he came into the shul and it was full and he saw me standing here and, and of course he wanted to run towards me. And my wife was holding him back for a while. And finally she let him loose and he came running towards me and he was pulling on my talit, he was pulling on my prayer shawl, and pulling on my suit. And I kept saying, shh, 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 shh. And finally I said to him, I leaned over and I said, Bear, shh, hold Abba's pinky. And so he held my pinky. And at that moment, I really got it, you know. And I went like this. <laughs> and I feel like that gesture, that Aleph, 
that Aleph between the past and the future and us holding the space in the center, in the doorway, in the lintel, in the liminality of what will be and promising to begin again. That's the essence of prayer. And I think that's what God whispered to Moses when he saw him outside of the tent, the tent of meeting. He said, Moses, it's possible to begin again. Bring what you got, because we really need it. Please rise.